0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Trinity Sunday! One great thing about preaching on the subject of the Holy Trinity is that you know that you can relax. No one expects you to be able to explain it. The Holy Trinity is about the mystery of who God is in Himself and that is something that is just too immense for us to comprehend. Our minds can't encompass it, and we only know about it because God has revealed it to us in Scripture, as in Matthew 3.17, in the description of the baptism of our Lord. We also learn about it in Matthew 28.19, when Jesus sends us out to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And again in the letters of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians and especially to the Ephesians where Paul affirms there is one body and one spirit just as you are called to the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So I am not going to try and explain it as that is above my pay grade. Instead, I hope to enjoy with you the beauty of the Triune God that has been shared through His revelation to us. Faith seeking understanding has God's blessing. I am preparing to do ministry in Spanish and English, so I've been reading and praying with the Book of Common Prayer in Spanish. It has reminded me of some differences in the two languages that are lovely to contemplate. In Spanish, there are two different ways to say, I know, two different verbs for to know. One is saber, and the other is conocer, and they express two completely different concepts. When you use saber, you are talking about facts, information, and ideas. Do you know how to bake a cake? Do you know the date of the Civil War? Do you know the way to San Jose? Are all questions for which in Spanish you would use saber. But if you want to know a person, you must use conocer. Do you know Father Doran is a conocer question, not a saber question. It implies a relationship, not a fact-finding mission. Do you conocer, Father Doran? is asking if you know what he cares about, what he likes and dislikes. Do you know what a wonderful, patient listener he is? How he loves to surf? His strong connection to St. John Chrysostom? This is the kind of knowledge expressed by the verb CONOCER. And God wants us to CONOCER Him, to know Him in this intimate and personal way as He shares His nature with us. In Spanish, there are several words that translate as you in English. One is the word usted, which is very formal. It is actually the third person singular and is rather like speaking to someone as if they were the king. It, transla- it is translated as you, but it sounds more like this. How is his majesty today? Very formal, very respectful very distant, used when concerned with not offending someone more important than yourself. Another word that is translated as you is the word tú, which is used for children, pets, family members, and intimate friends. When I began reading the Book of Common Prayer in Spanish, I expected to find the Lord addressed as usted, but I was wrong. The Lord is addressed intimately as Tu, and this is clear throughout the Book of Common Prayer. We are made intimate family members and God is drawing us closer as we come to know him more and more. The theologians who study and contemplate the Holy Trinity are not trying to determine facts and informations about the Triune God, but rightly seeking to know him intimately and personally. We are lovingly invited to do the same. God has revealed himself to us as the triune God for reasons of his own. And we must ask ourselves, what does God want us to understand about him through this revelation of his triune nature? I think that one of the most powerful ways to think about the Trinity is to recognize the three persons by their actions in the world. We can observe God's activity through the scriptures and in the life of the church. God has his own mission in the world, a missio dei, the mission of God. And through the three persons, we see the one God Almighty act in the world in the ways that reveal him as a loving God, a giving God, and a sending God. First of all, God is a loving God who wants to be in relationship with us. Revealing himself as the Father helps us understand that he wants us to know him and love him and acknowledge him as the source of all. He shows us his love and goodness in the creation he has made and placed us in and in the beauty and truth of his righteousness and faithfulness. He has created us to be in relationship with him as a father is with his child. A relationship of trust, love, and promise-keeping faithfulness. How beautiful this love is. A love that draws us closer to him, like that intimate relationship between parent and child. St. Paul evokes this familial love here in our reading from Romans today. When we cry, Abba, Father. It is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. St. Paul uses the Aramaic word for Father, the word that Jesus would have used as a child. It could be construed as calling out to God as Daddy or Papa. God the Father does not hold us at arm's length, but draws us close to him. In the image of human love that we can feel, understand and with which we can identify. Paul continu- continues the family metaphor of love, affirming that if we are children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We are sinful and undeserving, but we have received the spirit of sonship because God's saving love for us. God's love is active, saving love. And this reminds me of what Mr. Rogers had to say about love in The World According to Mr. Rogers. He wrote, Love isn't a state of perfect care. It is an active noun like struggle. God creates a paradise for humanity, and when human beings turn away from him in sin and error, he continues to make covenant with us and lead us toward that loving relationship that He has chosen for us. God is a most loving God. God is a giving God. God gives us Himself as His Son that we may have eternal life. God gives us His Holy Spirit that we may experience the rebirth from above. In our reading today from the Gospel of John, Nicodemus, a Pharisee and Jewish ruler, someone who believes he is an authority on God's ways, is confused and dismayed when Jesus states that unless someone is born from water and the Spirit, they can't enter God's kingdom. Bishop N.T. Wright explains that the Judaism that Nicodemus and Jesus both knew had a good deal to do with being born into the right family. What mattered was being a child of Abraham. Now Jesus is saying, God is starting a new family in which this ordinary birth is not enough. You need to be born all over again, born from above. Bishop Wright continues, the point in this passage is that this double-sided new birth, which brings you into the visible community of Jesus followers, water baptism, and gives you the new light of the spirit welling up like a spring of water inside you, Spirit baptism, was now required for membership in God's kingdom. Our God, the giving God, gives us the Holy Spirit that we may know the Son and through Him have eternal abundant life. God gives Himself to us as He gives us the Holy Spirit and as is expressed later in our Gospel passage, God gives us His Son to be lifted up on the cross so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. And as N.T. Wright translates John 3.16, This, you see, is how much God loved the world, enough to give His only special Son so that everyone who believes in Him should not be lost, but should have eternal life. God is a giving God. He gives himself to us in love as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is a sending God. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, we read this, And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. One of the great beauties of human languages is that the knowledge of more than one of them can lead to some lovely insights. In my Spanish-language Bible, the same passage reads like this, Y el verbo se hizo hombre, y habitó entre nosotros. Y hemos contemplado su gloria, la gloria que corresponde al hijo unigénito del Padre, lleno de gracia y de verdad. In Spanish, as in Latin, the term for the Word of God is verbo, which we hear as verb. The verb of God, which expresses so well that God is in action through the sending of our Lord Jesus Christ. The mission of God is moving. God is acting to bring the world back to right relationship with Him. The word of God is an action word, a verb. God sends his Son into the world to enact salvation. Jesus tells Nicodemus, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. God, in his misiodei, dei, his divine mission, sends the Son into the world not to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him as early as the second century Irenaeus bishop of Lyon recognized salvation as ongoing a continuing action of God through his two hands the Son and the spirit the hand of God is the symbol of the descending love by which God is known For we do not merely meet God face to face, but are formed by God's hands in ineffable proximity. God does not merely talk and appear. He touches, grasps, shapes, and models. What a lovely image this is! God sends His Spirit into action throughout salvation history and the life of the Church. Last Sunday we celebrated Pentecost when the disciples received Jesus' sending of the Holy Spirit. What a wild scene that is and how fitting Jesus' description of the unpredictability of the action of the Spirit that we find in our Gospel today. The wind, the same word also translated as Spirit, blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. The Spirit is sent by God and comes to us in our baptism and in the Holy Eucharist and the sacraments of the Church. In fact, the Church is a gift of God through His Son's sending of the Spirit. God sends us. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus sends us with these words of what is often called the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We are sent to preach and teach the gospel. And just like the prophet Isaiah in our Old Testament reading today, we may know ourselves to be completely unworthy to know God, saying with Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But God's saving mission is acting in the world right now. Christ has died for our sins. He has risen in victory over death. We are children of God who have been sent the Holy Spirit, through whom we know Christ the Son. And from Christ the Son, we can come to know God in His kingdom. Like Isaiah, we hear God ask, whom shall I send and who will go for us? This passage reminds me so much of the song, Here I am Lord, whose lyrics were written by John Michael Talbot. I feel sure that this passage in Isaiah is what inspired them. The verses are, I the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? I, the Lord of wind and flame, I will tend the poor and lame. I will set a feast for them. My hand will save. Finest bread I will provide till their hearts be satisfied. I will give my life to them. Whom shall I send? And the chorus answers, Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. God is a loving, giving, and sending God. And even though His holy, triune nature is ultimately unknowable to us, when we listen for His voice and hear the question, Whom shall I send? May we pray to answer with Isaiah. Here am I. Send me.